0: previously on the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. There were seven contenders you... Seven? Picked out. Yep. That, that's remarkably generous of me.
1: Um, tackles. Probably, I would probably argue, is probably one of the biggest hitting tens since Johnny Wilkinson.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: I know, I'm throwing <laughs> it out there, guys.
2: Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What about Dan Parks?
1: Yeah, hi, Gregor Townsend here, um, and you're listening to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast.
0: And... Uh, Brody, what's had its hands in your ruck this week? French strip I don't think we've met before But I'm the referee on this field, not you Richard Cockrell might be something you'd go for Part
2: giant I think I'll leave that to anti-doping control, to be honest
0: Pretty sure if you put a pointy hat on Ryan Racy, You'd be pretty close No, the, feet, the, the sheep, the, the sheep, the town sheep is on the pitch Hello, gambers. Obviously, another, another string of and going It just, it's the constant chatter The trouble with Scotland Is that it's full of Scots
2: uh, on flag day right by his neck and then Barkley getting penalised and Natoji patting him on the head pinball's a good way to describe him how I can wonder... Ross Ford be that big and, and make not that many metres and then you have someone like Hamish Watson who just he must get at least over double the amount of metres every single game that Ford tried to do a, a bench but been quite indecisive very solid and he's a 10 but
0: hmm. the size of a bus hmm hmm it's the Supply Teachers Conference 2017. Welcome to episode one of series two of the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast. Um, rather than doing these sporadically, we're going to try and group them into a little series. So in this series, we'll have four episodes covering um, the Scottish uh, tour um, of Australia and Singapore and Fiji. Um, and then we'll probably do, um, another series starting in October, um, which will be the blog's 10th anniversary and running over the autumn tests as well. Um, today I'm joined by, joined by John Anderson. Hi there. And Jack Misick. Hi there. Uh, we're also going to try and cover some of the lines if we can be bothered, but the main thing, uh, that we'll be looking at is the Scottish tour. Um, the first, Uh, Jack, Scotland are kicking off against Italy uh, in Singapore, and that is at, I believe, 1 o'clock UK time on BBC Scotland. Um, You've had a go at pulling together a a possible start in 15?
2: Yeah, I have. Um, Should I just fire through that now and let you guys know? Yeah, should we start with the front row? Who have you gone with there? So, um, take into account how strong Italy's scrum seemed in the the test, I've just gone with the strongest available in my view, which is Reid, Brown, and Nell, kicking things off.
0: Yeah, I mean Nell's had some game time now against the Barbarians. I don't know, if, did either of you see the Barbarians match? Saw a bit of it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, he seemed he seemed to go well. Struggled at the start, but I think after once he sort of warmed up a bit, he seemed to scrummage relatively well.
1: Yeah. Who
0: did you go hooker there, Jack? Uh Fraser Brown. Fraser Brown, yeah. Um yeah, that seems a sensible choice. Um hopefully he won't have a um moment of madness and he'll keep his head. Yeah, uh, away
2: from Twickenham. He's he's uh he's a top international player. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then what have you done in the second row?
2: So um obviously Richie Gray's out injured, so I've just gone with a direct swap of getting Ben Tulison, I think, uh in that poor Edinburgh team, he was one of the shining lights, um, and he probably deserves a, a shot at it starting, um, and alongside him, uh, Johnny Gray, of course.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, Toulouse's debut, did, did Toulouse um, have his debut against Italy at the same time as Hamish Watson?
2: Oh, yeah, that, that frantic, f- horrible final five minutes.
1: Against yeah. Italy, of course. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, that'd probably be good. I mean, it'd be interesting to see um how he goes, because he has been good for Ember, but I, I I remember watching that game and not being entirely convinced. Uh, but then I wasn't convinced with Watson at the same time and he's gone on to um to greater things. Are you happy with that, John? You you Toulis and Gray or would you have gone for someone else?
1: No, I would I would agree with that. I think on, on form, I think um uh, was certainly by far and away the most consistent of the the, the the maybe with the exception of Hamish Hamish Watson, um he he was the standout for Edinburgh this season. And I think, um I think Gregor has to really set his stall out and reward that sort of form. Um and I know um it's good that Edinburgh are getting represented um right from the off. So nah, no 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 uh, no disagreement here.
0: He's not called anybody else up in replacement of Richie Gray, has he?
1: No, he hasn't, which was so quite there's, interesting.
0: There's, there's only actually um, great, well, Stat Boy, Swinson, and Tullis. In uh, the
1: squad I off. think he's probably looking at big bag, big bad Bob as well. True, um, using him as a four.
0: Yeah. So, what have you done for the back row then, Jack? So, uh, John, right back row then, because we've lost Jack. So we'll part partly try and guess what he would have chosen and also uh, go through um the squad. So the back row um would you start the same as Six Nations, you going Barkley, uh, Watson and Wilson, or are you going to try and go with three open sides and stick Hardy in there?
1: Oh, see. I I think I think it's gonna be one or t'other for um Hardy and Hamish Watson. Um I think Watson on form um takes it. Hardy has the pedigree, but um I think Watson's kept him basically out of that Edinburgh team most of the season. Uh, that and Hardy's um ability to injure himself at a moment's notice. Um I would I would I would probably go Barclay. Uh Barclays a no, no brainer, captain of the team, had a great great six nations, great end to the season as well at the Scarlet. He was he was su- supreme in that side. Um him and Hamish Watson and Probably Josh Strauss. Actually, I like as much as we've criticised Wilson in the past. He, he he was consistent for for Glasgow and he was consistent for Scotland when he was playing, making out big stats. But Strauss just gives you that absolute oomph that you need uh, from the back of the from the base of the scrum. We're Sorry, back, about that boys. Yeah,
0: that's, that's all right. We just we just we just carried on without you.
2: probably a lot better (laughs) who did you guys go with in the
0: the back row go on john
1: uh that's we were just we were just talking there so uh, i've went uh hamish watson john barclay and josh strauss
0: so you put in strauss at six then
1: am i putting strauss at six sorry Six, yeah, or are you putting Barclay at six and I'd, Strauss at eight? I would put Barclay at six and Strauss at eight. I, would, I, would, I mean, I think Strauss's natural position, obviously, is eight. The six and eight is so interchangeable these days. Um, But I think Strauss, just to get that, that big ball carry off the base of the scrum, you know, the, the memory goes back to that night against Leicester for Glasgow where he was just every carry was knocking people out of the way like the wee skittles it was it was great to watch so just getting him some ball in hand from the base would be brilliant and I think Barkley at six is a more natural hit because he just has that that natural breakdown work um, he can really get in and, and cause some cause some havoc.
0: Who did you actually have then Jack? Uh,
2: So I had Barkley at six, Strauss at eight, but I had Hardy at seven. Um, Uh I I agree that Watson's the the standout seven at the moment, but um, just with John Barkley having very little game time, I thought it'd be quite a good match to get him back into the fold and give Watson maybe a break because obviously uh, he'd be right. He'd be one of the first names on the team sheet going up against Michael Hooper when we play Australia.
0: Yeah, we'll cover that next week. I think when we're um, previewing the Australia game, um, it, I mean, it's it, yeah, it's interesting what you say, whether or not actually it's a good opportunity to get John Hardy some game time, um, and whether or not this, um, it, how Townsend's going to approach the test, uh, whether or not it's a, a chance to experiment or a chance to try and pick his starting fifteen. I mean, what 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 is that? Did you take the approach of just going with the strongest Jack, or have you sort of been thinking about? experimenting um, and giving some guys game time
2: um overall I, I think this this is so important for townsend to get some momentum into his reign he has to produce a, a winning result that's why for instance i went with the strongest possible front, front row we can't have, afford to have uh, any slip-ups um, especially if you, you compare like previous games in such humid conditions as singapore will But you look at but well, the the game against the USA and Texas, and then obviously the Japan tour, and uh, the, the, they were just so error ridden. So, but probably there'll be a lot of scrums, and if, if Scotland scrum doesn't compete, then then we we could we could be on the on the end of a kicking masterclass if Carlo Kana turns up. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think there there are some cases. I mean, in the backs, I've got a, a couple of guys who I think deserve a run out, but I think there should be uh certainly i'd call it maybe like a three-quarter strength like the italians will be much more improved compared to their six nations uh team and yeah yeah, we we just can't really afford to let Townsend get off to a a losing start it has to be a must win
0: so so have you gone for price then at scrum half
2: yeah saying all that i have gone for price at scrum half um it's especially reading the, the article that came out, uh, Tom English's interview with uh, John Barclay saying Scotland wants to play the fastest rugby in the world. I mean, Price is nippy. And uh, if they get front through Paul, then he is just absolutely awesome at offering a, a, a threat from the base and just getting in and getting the ball away. So I think he, he really has to start.
0: And then I guess he's got the pre-existing relationship with Russell as well. So that makes it an easier fit in terms of a combination.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's a, a real opportunity for Russell to sort of put behind his poor end to the season and uh, really kick on. He's surprisingly my my starting ten for the, for the weekend match <laughs> <laughs> uh, with all the competition that's kicking around. <laughs>
0: yeah, all, the, all those all those stand all those, the great line of Scottish standoffs that there are queuing up behind Finn Russell. It's um, crazy. Have you, have you? Are you happy with that, John? Would you uh, yeah. any argument for Pete Horn having a run out, or?
1: No, no. I think I, th- I think I mean you talked about what Townsends' um, view would be on on these games, and I think the time for experimentation is or experimentation international rugby. It will not nearly be as the Tuni Tombola um, as it was at Glasgow. Um, but I really think the time for getting new blood into the squad is actually the autumn. Uh, this this first series of tests, we, we just need to put out our strongest side, compete. And I mean, think about how how encouraging is it that we're sitting here, you know, talking about a Scottish captain saying they want to win the fastest brand of rugby in the world. That's that's incredible. And I, I know like watching Scotland it's twicking on my side. It was it's really exciting to see us trying to actually play some some really nice stuff. So Ali Price, Finn Russell, again, it's you know it's the madhouse party, isn't it? We don't don't know what we're <laughs> going to get, but um, it'll sure be entertaining no matter what happens. And then centre Jack, have
0: you uh, what 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 have you gone with? Have you gone with any sort of established pairings, or are you mixed it up a bit? Actually, there's only two Glasgow players in there, in Dunbar and Greg. And then you've got I, I, Matt Scott of Gloucester and, and Duncan Taylor with God knows what his hair's doing out there in that <laughs> humidity. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I,
2: I have actually mixed up the centres. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I thought towards the end of the season, Alex Dunbar looked absolutely shattered. He's played yeah. such yeah. an unbelievable amount of rugby and he can be quite injury prone. So, I think he needs a bit of a rest, give him a bit of time to get his energy up for the, the bigger games. Um, so, I've gone with Matt Scott starting at twelve. And I've put Nick Grigg outside him because I, I I'm just i sure John will agree, being the diehard warrior fan he is, that he was just phenomenal at the end of the season. The man makes line breaks for absolute fun. So it'd be great to see what he can do at an international level.
0: Are you happy with that, John? You got any?
1: Um, I mean, I personally would have – I totally agree with Dunbar. I think um, I think my, my last class go out of the season, I said exactly that. He is – he's just off he, – it. Obviously, coming into the season just off a, a massive injury, he looked shattered from probably halfway through the Six Nations onwards. He he was absolutely rooked, and I, th- I think yeah, we need to we need to try some other combinations as well. And I think it's interesting because we've got so many thirteens or so many supposed thirteens, but twelve becomes that issue. And I, I personally would go with Matt Scott's been an incredible form down south. Um, I personally go with Duncan Taylor, uh, but just just again, like for like, I like seeing Taylor uh, at, at both options. Again, I think he's such a versatile player and just a supreme talent. We're so lucky to have such depth in the centre. Uh, and as you say, Jack, Nick Grigg, um, if we're going on form again, he was absolute standout for the Warriors last season. He just... He's, he's about five foot nothing and he just barrels through people. It's it, it's uncanny what he can do, really. And he just, just has such bank a, bank against. Uh, I know. Can you imagine? He's just a little ball of muscle. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it's like, it's like Watson, but in the backs. 24 as well. Yeah, he looks about 54. I know he he's looks like, another, me. I know he's bad, it's like
0: another Brian Allerone. He's got yeah, tough, some tough paper round to have <laughs> the southern, <laughs> southern hemisphere.
1: Yeah. Um, no, he's just incredible form he's been in. So I, I really look forward to seeing him in a Scotland shirt because he just offers, some, again, something a bit different. And I think that's what we've got in the centre is, you know, we talked to the Six Nations, Cami, about uh, Horses for Courses, but we just have different options across the board now.
0: And then, Jackie back three. So, um,
2: the reason Taylor isn't in a 12 is because I've got him at 15. I, I know 15? I've seen, oh. Yeah. I've seen, apparently, he's been training there. And to be honest, if you could pick one guy in the back, so you know he will do a solid enough job. And he's, I think he's had a few goes at it for Saracens.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
2: so, if, if, he, if he's doing it there, then he's, he's rightfully got the, the, the skill set to do it. So, I've got him in uh, there because I, I just think... I just have real trust issues with Jackson defensively. <laughs> I think he's he's a bit of a liability. And like he's great when he's going forward. You saw that when he well, the Six Nations beforehand, when he, he came in with a, a few cameos. But I've gone with Taylor, just someone really solid at the back.
0: Because cause Jackson's not really um, had much game time, I don't think, at Harlequin's compare. Whereas, although Taylor's game time has been limited, that's more been down to injury than anybody being ahead of him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's still in those the 23 for Saracens since, since he's come back. And as you say, yeah, what well, that interview with Townsend where he's like, oh, I saw Jackson play like several months ago and he did really well. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, yeah, so I, I, I would have gone Taylor. And then on the wings, um, I've gone with Lee Jones. I think Lee Jones yes. has been brilliant. Yep, he's yep, uh yep. A real Renaissance in form. And his finish against Saracens was absolutely phenomenal. Like that that's top level finishing. Um I, I toyed with the other wing for so long. Um but just in the obviously there isn't much development chance of this. I've gone with Hoyland to start just because he finished the season well. His last two games he got a couple of tries in them. Uh I think he's done enough to get a start and maybe hopefully build some confidence before Heading off back to the doldrums in Cockerel at Edinburgh.
0: Any any uh anything different for you, John? You sounded like you were pretty happy with that selection.
1: Uh pretty happy with that, yeah. I actually had forgotten that we we don't have a full back anymore. Um so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I revised my previous decision and uh, totally support uh, Duncan Taylor. I think you're absolutely right. Taylor's the one back you would trust to do a solid at fifteen. Um I I had heard rumours Russell had been training at 15 as well, which is just madness. Um, yeah, could you imagine if, some of the stuff? If Tunny that... is doing that, I, I, <laughs> you imagine that for the first his first game with Scotland coach, there would be there would be hangings. It would be ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, just I read that and I thought, oh my goodness, right? Okay, I need to put this down. Um, yeah, I think Taylor Taylor has to has to be at 15 really, based on actually the options. If if Greg Tonks gets near a Scotland shirt again. Oh, God. Yeah, oh, I'm sh- I'm shuddering at the thought. Um, but I think Hoyland's a great shout. I think Hoyland, like you say, finished the season incredibly well. And again, you probably the recurring theme here is you know I think we should really be trying to reward form, particularly in our pro sides. I think Hoyland deserves the run, um, and I'll probably keep Vissers powder dry for um, a, no doubt Sterling man of the match performance against Australia. <laughs>
2: exactly, taking on Israel Folau and winning every
0: <laughs> yeah, so, carrying yeah. them into touch and all sorts it'll be, it'll be we're beautiful winning the big aerial battles <laughs> um, so I mean re, uh, John um, but Jack did you, bought, did you do a bench I did uh, oh, I don't okay. um, yeah yeah let's go for your bench right um, so I'm going to go with Alex Allen
2: um, I spoke bench instead of Allendale I feel I feel bad for Allendale um but I just think if if the scrum's going bad then just in case there's an injury to Gordon Reed then we need a bit more support I think Alex Allen offers a bit more than Alan Dell in terms of scrummaging power um I've actually gone with uh George Turner on the bench at Hooker um yeah good you shot I think that's a good shot I mean like he if it's if it's tight he doesn't need to come on like Fraser Brown is, is an athlete he can last 80 without a doubt um but I, if, it, if it's going well then why not give him 20 minutes I mean he's a powerful lad um and it'd be good to see some uh like something extra take the pressure off Fraser Brown and give Ford a bit of a rest
0: well, I, um, well and, and I'm not really sure there's, there's there's anything else that anybody can learn from Ross Ford pulling on a Scotland <laughs> jersey we know what he's going to do which is you know, run into the first man, fall down, and he's, you know miss a couple of tackles. He seems like a fight
2: with like every person who tackles him, where he doesn't like try. He like he tries everything he can to stay up, but not offload or not go forward. Just stay stationary for as long as possible. It's, it's like
0: really it's like he's allergic to leg drives. <laughs>
2: for a man, his legs are like the size of my entire body is crazy. He so should be,
0: he, he should be able to put a play you know, opposing player over his shoulder and you know run for a bit. It's not, you know just crumpling at the first sign of um <laughs> <laughs> any resistance. He's not you know and every single one of his 107 caps. Um no, I, I think I think Turner's a good show. I remember seeing him play a few seasons ago I think and you know quite rightly I think he's come out recently in said I'm not getting any chances and I'm very frustrated by it and you know Brown aside I'm not really sure where the next um, Scottish hook is coming from after Ross Ford you know inevitably either hangs up his boots or he's made surface to requirements whatever comes first
1: or makes 150 caps.
0: Yeah, no, What yeah. is that, yeah. Still still on for Scotland's most cap players.
1: Six, six out of ten all the way through. <laughs>
0: I mean, Rory's not included the... Um, I'm going to try and find out what's, what, his, what his point average is while we go on. What, what Who else have you got on the bench then?
2: So again, another uh, potentially ropey call, and I, I might change it, um, but I've gone with Darcy Ray just because I want Fagerson to get a bit of a break. Man's been playing so much rugby and he's had such a mantle. And from what Darcy's offered, he's looked really powerful. I mean, when he came on the Leicester game, he the scrums gave no quarter at all. And uh, I, I like the look of him. I, th- I think he's quite an abrasive, decent scrummager. Uh, so I, I'd like to see him get a run. Um, but obviously, uh, that that could, if things are tight, that might mean forcing Nell to play at eighty. But it's more trying to protect Sandra
1: Fagerson there. Don't know what you guys think of that. John? Yeah. Yeah. I I I I don't disagree with that, Jack. I think that's um I think Fagerson went from being a, a youthful prospect who was getting minutes here and there to being first choice for Glasgow and because of Nell's injury, first choice for Scotland. Um and at 20, 21 years of age that's that's got to take its toll. So, yeah, I don't disagree. And I think it's also worth thinking about. I mean, like you say, Darcy Ray's been solid. I think he's, he, he looked apart again. He wanted to have a scrap with Conor Murray. I'm all for that. So <laughs> um, that that's that's good in my eyes. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, whilst we're not experimenting on this, I think we do, particularly in the areas where we're not, we, we have no depth. Prop. We have we have two props, and then we have potentially the hugest drop-off. So we we do need to be looking to these. I think we need to ignore the the previous names that have come up. You know, heaven forbid you're your John welshies guys like that that you know have been around the block a few times and have been up. You know, the odd injury here and there, and they get called up. They sit in the bench. They get 20 minutes. I think guys like Darcy Ray are a much better option, so um, no, I don't disagree with that at all.
0: And then, what? Who else have you? By the way, do the one? Do anyone want to take a guess at how many points Ross Ford has scored for Scotland? Six. <laughs> <Or> five.
2: <laughs> oh, I do you remember Ross Ford sitting back in the pocket there for a? a oh few. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would days. guess fifteen
0: tops. Okay, uh, it's ten. Ten oh. points out of 107 caps. That's, that's an average of 0.09 points per
1: game. So the, the the big question is, has he made more meters than that over his <laughs> 107 caps? That's yeah. That's. that's a, there's, I, there's do, a pass I don't. For I some... don't know if
0: that makes. <laughs> He'll be tight. Then, that'll
1: be Maybe tight, yeah. the
2: <laughs> scrapes him over the
1: line. <laughs> <laughs> or is that his throwing average as a percentage? Yeah, 0.09. Um,
0: yeah. Who else have you got on the bench then, Jack?
2: Um, the heroic substitute is Tim Swenson, of course. Yes. That's it's phenomenal. Um, and I've gone with I've gone with Magnus Bradbury. Um, I, I really want to see him get more game time. Yeah. Um, especially if we if Strauss is starting, then there's plenty of option for him to play six or eight. Uh, it'd be great to actually see him have a wee twenty minute cameo at eight because he's, he's such a wrecking ball and he's such a talent and he just again I think a loss of confidence. Um, I've gone with um, Henry Pergos uh, just because I don't think he's had that much game time and maybe it'd be kind of good to get him, bearing in mind he could have quite a, a big part to play in the rest of the series, maybe get him some more game time on the bench. Um, let's see, then I've gone Pierre Horn and Rui Jackson on the bench for the rest. Don't know what you guys think of that, but it was mostly versatility and Horn started to look quite good towards the end of
1: the season too.
0: John, you you got any, any, anybody different you'd have on?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think I think Horns the obvious option. I think uh, in terms of the backup at ten, and obviously offering the versatility um, in in the midfield, I think it's it's the right call. Um, Jackson again is it's, it's pretty much a case of last man standing that can play more than one position, really, isn't it? I mean, how many times have we sat there and said, oh, you know, Rory Jackson, that's probably the end of his international career. And, and you know, like a bad smell, he keeps coming back. There's, <laughs> there's no getting rid of him. It's it's unreal. Um, to pick up your point about Magnus Bradbury, I'll be really interested to see what the reaction is under Townsend's way of playing versus what Quarter was expecting of him, because I know there was some criticism of his breakdown work, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see if if uh, Townsend's wanting him to sort of fulfil that um, that role, or if he's going to let him loose with as you say, you know, the wrecking ball style um, running that he has. So I'll, I'll be I'll be keeping a close eye on that and seeing how that goes.
0: Yeah, he had a good I mean I I caught a couple of the later Embra games and he was he stood he definitely stood out in the forwards um in terms of his carrying his link work with the backs. Um I think you're right, whether or not defensively there's a a question there. Um but w- whether or not somebody else um you know the, it can be made up for elsewhere. Um it'll be interesting exactly. to see. Exactly. Um Ruri Jackson is only twenty nine, which seems improbable.
2: God, he seems to have haunted Scottish rugby for so long. So there's
0: there's at least another five years of Rury Jackson being in contention. <laughs> <laughs> twenty nine, God, that makes me God, that's that just see I, I I don't really understand how that can he made his debut in twenty ten.
1: Yeah, it was that European. or he made his debut just before and he then he had an absolute blinder in a European Cup game. Yeah. Oh, um, Bath? yeah Bath I think that yeah he played incredible. an absolute stunning game and all of a sudden he was the next Dan Carter at that point <laughs> uh and then Duncan Weir came along and apparently outplayed him which you know when we look back on that while wow, we were we were really desperate for quality tens at that
2: point weren't we <laughs> I bet if we re that match it's like oh He's actually just been highly mediocre. Okay. Yeah. it was, just, it was
1: functional at best. Yeah. I think <laughs> it, probably say,
0: used to... it probably says everything about Rory Jackson that he struggled to get past Dan Parks in the international pecking order. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything you need to know. Comment of the week. Okay, we'll do comment of the week now. Um, we've gone back and looked uh, over the comments on the blog um, since we did the last podcast. Um, and John, have you picked a comment at all that stood out for you
1: i have i've actually went back so from a glasgow perspective i've um sort of went back obviously the season itself didn't it really it kind of petered out uh, towards uh, particularly after the sarsons game so um i've i've went for a comment on me may, uh, may 7th of uh, uh, all those many many months ago um from big al who basically sums up the season from a Glasgow perspective for me. Um, just at the end, it's a bit of a dis- disappointing season for Glasgow. Yes, they made the quarterfinals in Europe, but it's the worst league performance in several years. It's difficult to put exactly uh, put your finger on exactly what's gone wrong. He goes on to sort of identify, you know, missing guys like Nakarawa, uh, Strauss. Um, the style of playing uh, Glasgow had changed slightly. The defence wasn't quite strong. Um, and he also pointed out that some of the handling that maybe where it had stuck the previous seasons wasn't quite hitting the man. So, but finishes it off with great time for reigning to be coming in and a challenge, uh, a challenge for all the players yet again. So it'll be great to watch.
0: I mean, do you think, I mean for, for you, John? because you watch a lot of the Glasgow games. Is it? Yep. Is it a case that they were unlucky with the fixtures during the Six Nations? Uh, as well as the fact that they were sort of going through a bit of a rebuilding phase or is, was there more to it than that?
1: Yeah, I think there's probably those factors were definitely a play. And I think, I mean, we look at the fixtures and we, we say unlucky. There's nothing unlucky about the fact we're now paired with the Italian teams for our big weekends, which are not during the six nations or autumn. So we are inevitably going to get a Welsh or an Irish team, during those periods, which, whilst previously we actually got Italian teams during the during those periods, we I had, uh, I think we had Zebre and Treviso back to back, won Six Nations, which you know that's that's the dream right there. Um, no disrespect to the Italian teams, of course, but you know that's that's ideal. That's a, you would be hoping to come away with ten points at that. Um, whereas you know this time out we're we're getting battered by the Scarlets, we've got Leinster away and things like that. It just, it just becomes a bit mad. Um, I think the rebuilding phase, I think obviously we all knew Nakarawa would be a massive loss. There was other players that went, we had injuries, we, we sort of started the season a bit lacklustre. The news about Townsend, I think actually had more of an impact than was mentioned. I think you know the guys sort of knew it was their last chance, their last hurrah with them. The guys obviously have... Complete and utmost respect for the guy, um, for for Townsend. So I think there was an impact there, um, but also there was, the, I think they did really sort of put their effort into Europe and desperately tried to get that quarter final place, which they achieved. Um, it's just a shame they weren't still able to compete in the, the league.
0: Do you, I mean, do you think it's possible, Jack, that a team like Glasgow that loses such a large um, chunk of the team can never be in a position where they can compete for both Europe and the Pro 12. Uh,
2: it's it's an interesting one. I mean, you see some of the, the the signing policy at Glasgow has been brilliant. You look at some of these guys they're bringing in and the, the, like the Callum Gibbons and the Ollie Kebble from down south, and these are high quality players who are playing weekend week out for their clubs. Um, I, I think a, lo- a little bit of naivety showed when like. They had to blood so many youngsters during the, these periods, and it, 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 it understandably took its toll. And they, they lost games they shouldn't have in the Six Nations window. Uh, it's it, it will always be difficult to, com- to to compete on both fronts. But I mean, Leinster and months, or well, Leinster in particular, lose a, a considerable amount of players to to the window, and they seem to do it. Um, I just think that it needs to be. There seems to be quite a, a big drop-off in level of the players that are going, understandably, when you're losing, what was it, 17 Glasgow players. Um, I, I think they, they could compete, um, they, they should aim to compete, and I think a man who sets standards like Dave Rennie does will will demand that they compete at both uh, domestically and uh, international fronts.
0: So, John, what, what what are you, sort of, looking ahead to next season, what's your prediction? You know, it's the first season with a new coach coming in is it going to be outside of playoffs I mean what's the goal for Glasgow next season do you think
1: i i think we need to, yeah we need to be targeting um reaching the playoffs again i think it's clear in the signing policy that 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 weakness that we suffered during those international windows has been identified um we've got even the scottish qualified guys that are coming in are not international scottish guys for the most part so we are we're building to try and increase the, the 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 first the first fifteen that's available during the season when we're not playing internationally will be very similar in quality to what it was last year. The second fifteen that plays during those windows will hopefully be a massive step up in quality. Uh, and there's obviously still recruitment to come, but yeah, I agree with Jack. You know, the, the signing of cable um Gibbons, also Masanga looks i mean if he is even a quarter of the player he was a couple of years back that's that's a stunning piece of business um however glasgow have got a terrible reputation of signing over the hill new zealanders so you know let's let's see how it pans out but yeah i think we should be targeting fourth um as a minimum we need to we need to make the playoffs again and a decent showing in Europe. Depending how kind the, the group stages, because we are actually fourth seeds in the the draw this time out, so we could get an absolute howler of a group, which you know, fine, we'll, we'll do do what we we do with that. But um, I think there will be a bedding in period with Rennie as well, so it'll be it'll be interesting, but it'll be entertaining as always.
0: And, and Jack, your comment of the week?
1: Yeah, mine's come from a.
2: Uh... On, on Gav's brilliant piece um, on the summary of Edinburgh's season. Um, it's quite a long comment, so I might not repeat it word for word. But in summary, he, he, he's just taken an extremely pragmatic stance in the season with, with a little sprinkle of optimism, which obviously isn't commonly associated with Edinburgh. <laughs> but he, he highlights how um, like Watson and Toulouse and the young props have come through and um, there's some real green shoots in the pack. Um, and then he goes on to, to mention that maybe Hodge shouldn't really be in the setup anymore. Um, uh, but like, there's still plenty of raw material for Cockerell to come in and work with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just really appreciate it, especially because he told Gav that it was a really succinct write-up. And I was like, you know what, it, it's nice to see that some of our writers are, are getting good credit. So uh, cheers, AD. I'm sure Gav will really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and, and and in terms of, I mean, in terms, I suppose going back to looking at Glasgow, it's in Glasgow's interest that Ember start doing well to sort of share the burden of of of, of the Six Nations call-ups.
1: Uh, yeah, I was just I was just saying, yeah, if we can knock a few heads off that um, that Glasgow headcount that's going to the the Six Nations, you know, not four or five bodies off that, it just becomes that bit more manageable for. For the team to, to absorb that, that loss and also you know getting the guys over at Edinburgh the international experience is absolutely crucial especially for these younger players who have aspirations of going to the very top of the game and you know I, I agree again Jack couldn't, couldn't say it better you know the props that are there there's there's real potential there and it's funny because we're sitting over at, over the other end of the MA in Glasgow and we're sort of struggling for, you know, we're looking at our depth chart and going, oh, we're kind of short of props just now. <laughs> and Edinburgh are kind of throwing them out. Well, in LA, there's there's hundreds of them over there, so send a few our way. <laughs> um, and, and Jack, I mean, uh, I th-
0: Edinburgh seemed to be in good health from a Scotland point of view in terms of uh, providing a, quite a bit of the pack. But outside of maybe Hidalgo Klein and Hoyland, there's, it's hard to see where Edinburgh might contribute from the backs.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, however, I mean, you look at the the signings Edinburgh have made and maybe slightly different in terms of Glasgow. I don't know if that's an SRU financial position, but they're looking to sort of take in quite a lot of the young talent. Um, I'm sure you are got to speak about in a minute, Cam, the, the, the like, likes of Darcy Graham uh, and Robbie Nairn in the under-20s. I mean, I think that's really good business going forward, those to recently have looked very talented. Um also I mean I, I feel a bit bad for Chris Dean because I think he's actually been very solid um and he's just getting quite a harsh time because there's not really that much going on inside him. Um but I, I don't I don't know where the, the shoots are going to come from in terms of Scotland squad. Maybe Kinghorn as well. He's been a bit inconsistent. But again these are all really young guys and there's still a long time to to let them progress before they, they can think about maybe Scotland call-ups in the future.
1: Yeah. The, the Kinghorn one annoys me. Um, I, I keep pointing out to people, you know, when when obviously when we were sort of struggling at fullback, back once Maitland get injured, two, two out of three people and every, every forum I'm part of was talking about it should be Kinghorn getting called up. And I, I think he's a real prospect. I think he's a real talent, but we cannot... In any way, shape, or form, be rewarding this, the the level of performance that he and a lot of the other Edinburgh backs, to be fair, but Kinghorn was all at sea towards the end of that season there, and I, I just think it would be madness to reward that sort of form with a, with a first international cap. I,
2: I maybe that's maybe more. that's harsh, but no, I couldn't agree more. That, that the the I mean, you look at his career; he went straight from Edinburgh Academy into. Almost, almost practically, the, the Edinburgh first team setup, and that—that's the man's been playing high level for a long time. But that's a huge amount of pressure. A lot of talk about, of oh, what a talent this lad is. He's still got a lot to learn, um, and his defence. Like, I, I would love to see him maybe feature a little bit more on the seven circuit, so his basic skills improve. The talent's abundantly clear that what he's got, but it's going to do him a lot to to keep playing club rugby. Um before he makes this jump up because it, he, he's so young, <laughs> so unbelievably young to be to be throwing him in, and like as you, as we said when we were doing our team earlier, there's not a lot of fullback there, mm. so like the mantle for Duncan Taylor maybe for the the short term future as being cover that 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 seems fine for me, and then King Horn can grow his own game,
0: yeah, I mean I've got from Michael in the week um sort of moving on from that point you raised earlier about the under 20s. I've gone for. Um, I think it's, it's one of Rory's comments um, up for something the Shield has said on um, Kevin's Under 20s preview. Um, the schedule is always brutal for the nations with less depth because you know Scotland played the All Blacks and then two days later they, they, they're playing Ireland, um, and it, it does seem fairly brutal. Although you know that that game against Ireland was was quite something, and even the performance against the All Blacks, I thought from it, it's. You know, there, there are a lot of green shoots there and, and and quite a few of the players are sort of tied to Ember or certainly on the way there uh, in the next few years. So the, there is a lot of positives there. I suppose the one thing that would concern me is the type of game that Richard Cockrell is going to play and, and how much influence Townsend is going to be able to have as the national coach, because I think... Is is he in theory? Is Townsend in theory Richard Cockrell's boss? Is that how it works? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't think anyone's Richard Cockrell's boss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't. It's all the shady dealings of what Scott Johnson's job actually is. But you know, some of the offloading in that island match, you know, the, there was. I mean, that the try that got retweeted, I think, by almost everybody, where it's, you know the length of the pitch try, and there was just
2: that out, so. out
0: of the back, you know, the the breadbasket out of the back, of the hand just. N- It's almost like you know Nakarawa-esque offload. I don't know. I can't. I don't know who it was, but
2: it was Stafford McDowell, I think. He did another player in the game as well. Just that's just such good talent for a and for a guy to do that on his own twenty-two. I mean, come
0: on. I know. (laughs) And and but to have that confidence in one another that they know they're going to be there and you know that somebody's going to be following up on it as well. Um, I I just hope that that's you know that. (laughs) Edinburgh sort of developed that style of play or certainly allow players to play that way because they haven't over the last few years and you know Scotland aren't going to get better unless the young players who can do that are allowed to do it in club rugby
2: yeah I mean it will be interesting to see I mean obviously Richard Cockrell former hooker and all he's very much forwards orientated um it would be interesting to see how much of a license he gives to to Duncan Hodge. and you'd love to think that Callum McRae would have a bit of insight in there, even if he is defence coach for some reason. Even mm-hmm. though he's been coach of a or when you're playing with eight less players, um, but like <laughs> it'd be great to see because you you look at that that seven team and they're all passing the ball fifteen twenty meters across the field, right in front of everyone. It'd be great to see an Edinburgh backline do that. Christ, if, if they put two passes together, there's there's sirens and flares going off in Murray and then Myerside like, it'll be great to see
0: Yeah, I just <laughs> I mean like, you know the, the words Duncan Hodge attack coach almost go together like Rob Howley attack coach it's oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: Lions Okay, uh, we're going to do um, our Lions hot take, which is our alternative look at the Lions all the way through the Lions tour. Um, just gives us something to do um, so we don't actually have to talk about the Lions um, given the um, lack of Scots um, there. And, the you know, there was, you know, three selected in the first game, which I, you know, with my tin hat, foil hat on, think is probably just a marketing exercise to get us all excited about it. Um, so I've asked the guys to come up with... Um, three things that the lions can learn from actual lions. Um, so we'll, we'll do one each. Um, Jack, what what can the lions learn from lions?
2: Um, I'm going to go with uh, lions can be swept away by hurricanes, so they must be cautious to avoid getting killed. And this obviously goes to the lions who will be facing the try scoring hurricanes or score like four or five tries a game. And they better be careful when they come up against them. So, yeah, be careful against hurricanes, like real lions are.
0: Do lions come across hurricanes often? Oh, every day. I spoke to several. <laughs> channels, <laughs> they, were,
2: they were adamant that I should really raise this point.
0: <laughs> it wasn't just... That <laughs> <laughs> sounds thoroughly researched, Jack. <laughs> the the
2: lens I go to for these podcasts,
0: guys.
1: <laughs> John... So I'm not sure how I'm going to follow up uh, speaking with actual lions, but um, I've kind of linked this back to certain criticisms of our uh, highly esteemed lions coach. Um, Lions in the wild use deception and stealth to capture their prey rather than running headfirst straight into the, the, the first option that they have. Um, and I think our our rugby side could learn this because based on what we had on on Saturday, Warren Ball is alive and kicking, and we're we're going to take a kicking if we if we continue to play like this. Uh, the Southern Hemisphere sides are just going to lap that up, and you know if we play anything near as badly as the we did on Saturday, we could be looking at record score against the Lions. When they come up against the All Blacks.
0: Did you see um, Warren Gatlin's, um reaction to being accused of playing Warren Ball?
1: He, was, he threw an absolute wobbly about it, didn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. years old. It's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> I don't suppose it was along the lines of, no, I just did that because I had a load of big lads playing for me at the time. <laughs> big <laughs> lads, you pecked Warren! <laughs> <laughs> It was like, I had Jamie Roberts, what else are you going to do with him? That, was, that yeah. seems to be his entire... Straighten him like up horrible. and off we
1: go, yeah. I don't yeah. think Ben Teo passed the ball at all from 12, like, ever. Um, I thought we'd find... It's, like, it's like, the anti, like
0: the anti-barbarians, you know, where you're not allowed to kick. That's it, uh, yeah. <laughs> Warren, Warren Gattisky, we try 12. and... Any, yeah, any, any offloads, <laughs> and you find um i I have found I oh, found dear. a blog i found a blog that is all about lion taming um <laughs> I'm just amazed that such a thing exists there's an entire at least it seems quite a few in Google came up this year it's um lion tamers which inexplicably would suggest there are lion tamers in the UK but um this says that um it took um this guy five or six weeks to teach a lion to sit up Um, which is, you know, so the Lions aren't going to um, gel immediately. We can't expect them to, but they're probably going to have to, um, you know, rely on existing combinations um, and people that are familiar with them um, if they're going to um, beat the All Blacks. But that in itself is worrying given the combinations. It it means we're less likely to see a Scotland player in a test. Um, And... um, Probably means that you're going to end up with Warren Ball anyway, even though it doesn't yeah. exist.
1: I think Greek took to, Greek took to Warren Ball like like a duck to water, didn't he? He's, well, he's, he's
0: in some ways he's um, he, he's Warren Gatlin's dream nine.
1: Yep, no pace, no 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 outside break, just pass the ball to the big big guys running fast beside him. I mean, it's 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 complete genius. I don't know why nobody else is doing it. Um, John, your next one. Uh, so two seconds to pull up my 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 list here i've actually got a got a list (laughs) so um this is actually a positive one so um lions are obviously the kings of the jungle um so our lions have to remind themselves that they are in fact the biggest cats in the jungle so go into the games against these teams with no fear believing that they are better than these players i know that's basically impossible because the all blacks are by far and away the greatest team probably ever seen in world rugby and the strength and depth that these guys have got is just outrageous but if they go into these games having already convinced themselves that they're going to lose then you know you know you know the outcome very good
2: and jack um Right, I've got. I've even got some figures in this one. Wait for
0: this. Um, so, <laughs> good because I've got good because I've, I've checked and hurricanes rarely affect the uh, rarely affect Africa. Uh, I don't <laughs> so know. Better be I, better. Uh,
2: I think it's extremely. Common. It's just not well documented. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my one is um, so a male lion has a one in eight chance of survival, compared to New Zealand having an aggregate loss percentage over all the games they've played of nineteen percent. Therefore, technically, it's more difficult to be a lion than it is to win against New Zealand. <laughs> so, surely defeating New Zealand shouldn't be too much of a problem.
0: That 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 was much better researched. I like that one. Um,
2: the, the first one took far more research. I promise you that.
0: Yeah. Um, well, from uh, LionTamer'sGuide.blogspot.co.uk. Um, Anybody in the entertainment industry knows that the term solo performer does not mean that only one person is involved in presenting what you're seeing. This is absolutely true in lion taming as well. One person may take the spotlight, but a coordinated team effort is required to successfully train and present a lion or tiger act. So there you go. So it's not just about, um, you know, the the big team players. They've got to come together as a team. Um, You know, it's not all about... um, I can't even think of who would be the who you know. Can't even think who we would have as a stand-up player in that lines team. Dan Bigger. Dan Bigger. It's not all about Dan Bigger. <laughs> Was that stand-up or hands up? Sorry, yeah. I, I missed that yeah. one. Uh right, Jack, what have you got for is this next one better researched? No
2: no, this one's by far the worst, I'm sorry to say, boys. Um so this is uh probably following on from that point in John's one earlier. As lions aren't as skilled as other big cats, they have to use teamwork to kill prey. Much highlighting that there are no, they cannot win using individuals. It's the cohesion that's going to allow them to beat the old blacks.
0: Yep. I've got something similar. Um, lion tamers rarely just get to it. They instead take a moment to connect with each animal in the training <laughs> session. They literally <laughs> talk to them and give them a pat or a rub. Lions love rubs. This engages the animal in a way that helps them focus on the trainer and on the training environment. It also sets a positive, engaging mood in which the, in which to begin the real work of the session. So I think Steve Borthwick needs to get the props on their backs and just rub their tummies a little bit before scrum practice.
1: I, I, um, I think I think there's an opportunity Cami, uh, out with this for I mean you could actually be part of that website. I I would want <laughs> to just listen to your commentary on reading parts of this website. It's like Stephen Fry reading Harry Potter to me. It's uh, I I feel soothed.
0: I've I've actually if I, if I'd fa- if I'd found this earlier and hadn't just f- stumbled upon this tonight in you know my poor preparation for this. Um I pro- it's a guy called Kevin Patton. Um and, I, you know, I actually probably would have tried to get in touch with him and interviewed yeah. him on the podcast. Can we, can we get
1: him on a podcast at some point?
0: Is that... Well, why not? Maybe we should do and ask him. What can yeah. we learn from line taming? what can we have a better from analysis
2: taming? than Hugo Mongeau. <laughs> True.
0: <laughs> um, there's other great things. Practice, 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 practice some more. Thinking like a lion on Tiger. Um, john do your last one i'm going to look at thinking like a lion or tiger
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah so i i actually i, I had noted a few more but I, I did have the team working one as well but the last one i've went for is so lions again in the wild lions will where possible look to attack the weakest prey Be just conserving energy and having the greatest percentage chance of winning that battle uh i think this definitely applies to to our rugby lines as well where you find a weakness in that all blacks team answers on a postcard but they do need to be looking at where they can exploit any sort of weakness in the in the in the all blacks team to have again any chance of of getting anywhere
0: yeah i think that's a that's another good one um i'm Thinking like a lions, um, not as uh, not providing that much. Um, um, Don't back a lion into a corner. Hang on. Oh, in my last post, I explained how lion tamers use chess to bounce a lion and coaxing reactions that will challenge them to move around in different directions of, in the arena. Now, hang on, I've got to look up how to bounce. how do you bounce a lion? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that. Cameron. Everyone, <laughs> sorry. Um,
1: <laughs> ask the lion. Ask the Baba's winger on Saturday who made a mince of Stuart Hog who that's, then... that's how you bounce a line. <laughs> that's how you bounce a line, yeah. Well, I can You're tell you on. why you
0: use I can tell you why you use a chair to tame a lion, it's because it's easily obtained and carried object that's a good substitute for one's arms. Better a lion take a swipe at a chair than your arms, a broken chair is easily replaced. <laughs> so you go, There's nothing in here about he said he mentioned bouncing a line. Where's it about bouncing a line? Never mind. I'll, I'll, it's, if anyone wants to look it up, it's lion um that covers all you need to know about uh, taming lions. And oh, wh- might forward that onto the All Blacks. Okay, um, we'll do our any other business section now. Hands in the ruck, um, Jack. What's had its hands in your ruck since we last spoke? Um, my one's quite a recent one. Um, it's this
2: awful Pro12 invitation to the Cheetahs franchise in Blomfontein to join.
0: Now you're not you're not fancying a trip? No, I mean I've <laughs> looked this up, and so. <laughs> To get there from Scotland would most likely
2: involve three flights and at a minimum 15 hours travelling. Bearing in mind, Bloemfontein doesn't really service any airport outside of South Africa. So you need to fly to Joburg first and then go there. How on earth is this a credible idea when you could fly to Tbilisi in a third of the time at most? Like, this is ridiculous. This is so unfair. So Africa already will have what, four pro tw- uh, four super rugby teams. They've got a huge player pool. It's, it's the responsibility of the, the Pro 12 to not be a cash cow here and help try and develop rugby. And at, from every account that's been available, Georgia seem more than willing and also have a relatively decent setup. If you could see something like, what is, is that Timosuara Saracen's team? Were they the Georgians? Or were they Romanians? They were Romanian, Romanian? I think, no. yeah. No. Apologies. But there's another um, option?
0: But I'm sure... But they do have yeah, I think there's some crazy isn't there like some crazy multimillionaire that's obsessed with rugby in Georgia. Georgia? Yeah. <laughs>
1: he's just paying for everything, yeah. But he bought the stadium. He's they're like the the best funded rugby team in like Europe just now. It's ridiculous. He's he's just bankrolling it all. Abramovich style, it's quite staggering. We spoke to a few other fans at the Scotland Georgia game down in Tomarnock. Um when it was myself and Gav were down for that one and we spoke to a, a couple of their fans and yeah, it's it's insane what this this guy is doing down there. I
2: I, my, I just didn't understand why you couldn't give them a chance when these guys pretty much almost immediately when they they were known that like, they're not going to be around for too much longer, oh, here you go, well, here, come and play in the Pro 12. Uh, sorry about the 16 hours that will take you to get every team that has to learn there. Yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, actually, in in some ways, um, you know, inviting the America, you know, America to provide franchises is almost more sensible than South Africa, given that again they haven't got a an established um, professional setup where South Africa have, and just because they're being made to get rid of one, isn't really the pro 12 or the whole, you know, Wales, Ireland, and Scotland's responsibility to. Well, that to yeah, jobs for the way, doesn't
1: it really? It's like, no, no, nice and strong, making sure we don't want none of these, none of these ups like Georgia and Romania and USA. We don't want them progressing. You know, we'll say, World Rugby will say they want the game to progress globally, but as long as it's only in sevens, we're okay with that.
2: Also, remember the commentary and, from the, the Scotland USA game. How good would it be to have that again?
1: Oh my god, that nice was amazing! <laughs>
2: Yeah. Scotland never sound like such a good nation? Being went how mediocre we were back then—they treated us like we were some sort of rugby deities.
1: That was some commentary. I, I, I genuinely want to watch that back again. Just, just for the pure giggles, it was. I've never been so en- engrossed in rugby commentary in my life. It was <laughs> incredible.
0: Um, yeah, the guy, the Georgian, Georgian businessman, who was a former prime minister of Georgia. Um, he's a billionaire. See, this is the sort of you know if they're looking for better funding, this is the sort of guy they want to be you know trying to attract <laughs> rather than you know the South African um you know which is you know I think financially is on pretty shaky yeah, ground. Yeah, can
1: barely afford to pay off their coach down there. They were, they were struggling with that and were turning down some guy that's got money coming out coming out his ears. Ridiculous.
0: Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything interesting about it, but I don't think it was. I was... Oh, hang on, his son... No, oh, there is. Here we go. His son, Berra, is a well-known singer and rapper in Georgia. Georgia Dream is a rap song by Berra and became an inspiration to his father, who named the party he founded after his son's rap song. Oh, so there you go. Oh, oh and even better... Uh, well, not even better, because, you know, but two of his three sons are albinos. Oh, uh, wow. There you go. So... Yeah, that doesn't sound at all like um, a, a Georgian billionaire with two albino sons in Norway. Sounds like a Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, um, Jack. No, you've done yours, John. What's your hands? Yeah, on the I'm,
1: I'm going to get my rage on here a little bit. And that was that was obviously you've you've been annoyed about South Africa. What is going on with? people with Scottish rugby players, in particular the the, the Scottish Lions that are out uh, in New Zealand just now, why are we being criticised so fervently for what, I mean, looking at the performance on Saturday in particular, Hogg was getting pelters for, I've, yes, he made errors, not unlike the other 14 people who were starting that game. Glenn Gladwell got a three off a couple of the...
0: Sorry, uses proper Stuart Barnes name... Gregor Greg, Greg, right, Greg yeah. law, Greg law, law or Gregor,
1: law <laughs> yeah, We can go with an amalgamation. Great, great, great law is is a, a good amalgam- amalgamation. It's kind of kind of um, hip and cool, that isn't it? We should definitely yeah, make that thing. Scottish
2: rugby.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, we we are giving the fans perspective, but also we we are changing the way we think about Scottish rugby. Greek can now be <laughs> great law. Um, grade yeah, have got a three. From I think it was I'm, I'm wanting to say the Times or one of the one of the so-called esteemed. Uh,
0: it wasn't Stephen Jones. Was no,
1: it? it wasn't. I checked that because uh, if it was, Twitter <laughs> was getting fired up. And there was there was going to be war. But in what planet was that a three out of ten performance? I thought yeah, it wasn't spectacular, but he was solid. I mean that's a that's a five six performance across the board. And he was g- giving it, like, I think, Sexton got a six.
2: Oh, my God. That was the yeah, worst I, performance I've ever seen from Johnny Sexton. He was pure god.
1: I, I was struggling to find, like, I was struggling to think off the top of my head of a, a worse performance that I've seen probably in the last five years from a, a world, supposed world-class player. Because, you know, normally a, a player will play badly. We We see it all the time, but... There's there's still a level of consistency that will will come with that. Yeah, they'll have their brain fart moments, but they'll still inevitably have some good points. Sexton was garbage throughout that game. So it it's just, just madness. So I just think, press-wise, there just seems to again be this rhetoric against Scottish rugby players in the Lions, and I think Gatland, possibly, there's rumours he'll try and use, or, you know, people are speculating that he'll try and use that performance, that very first performance, is a reason to keep Stuart Hog out the the test team. If he does that, I mean, it's, it's, it just makes an absolute mockery of the whole concept. Not that Gatland has not already managed to achieve that. Ran, ran yeah, I over. mean the <laughs> fact
0: that. Yeah, well, the, I, 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 I think you, you're absolutely right. I mean, that everyone made a lot of that volatile tackle where he held the ball up over the line but he
1: made the you mean the one hogge hog know, made. Stuart
0: Hogg has a lot to yeah well exactly hog has a lot of credit for you know standing up his man and waiting and, and and he got him yeah the his guy got the pass away but you know that was a try saving yeah, tackle yeah he held Hogg.
1: him up long enough that Falatau was able to get back there and make the tackle but again it's Falatau's tackle and yeah hog um who was on the bad end of a a, quite a dodgy lines lines judge call regarding the catch and the touch and a pass where anthony watson couldn't have been going any slower had he tried um you know you're kind of you're, you're kind of clutching the straws there when the whole team was honking
0: yeah i mean i thought it it seemed odd that all three were in the first game yes. and like i said earlier it might be my me being a little bit um paranoid um and i I don't suddenly believe that the world's run by space lizards or anything but (laughs) it it seemed it seemed i i just wondered whether it was a way to try and generate a bit of interest north of the border when there'd been such a negative reaction to the squad announcement um but like you i'm also equally cynical that it's a way of gatlin saying well there i put three of your boys in and they were rubbish and they're not going anywhere near the test yeah, squad.
1: There you go. Here's your midweek pass and knock uh, yourselves yeah. out, boys. Yeah, and
0: and and they'll be on the bench for midweek. Yep. And, 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 and and the last
1: <laughs> test, of course, because we've got to have ten minutes at the end as well. Yeah. Probably when we're fifty yeah. points down uh, in the in the third test after a uh, after after the big truck uh, truck of a left wing for New Zealand has has run in uh, four or five tries.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not it's not looking. Um, race given that was a you know their equivalent of you know playing a sort of premier scotch <laughs> premiership select side <laughs> albeit a higher standard obviously but yeah it's not it wasn't the greatest of starts it's, it's not a massive um,
1: step up from the lions coach's son to eight all blacks in the next club match you know it's
0: yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, that right, boys. You've played a scratch local side where they probably, you know, also have real jobs yep. as well. Um, and you're playing Sonny Bill Williams on Wednesday.
1: Ah, there's, there's the Ione brothers running riot around you. Fantastic. Not yourselves. Good luck. That team looks
2: absolutely lethal. If they click, they will tear the lines to pieces. Do you but, think the they got the prowess of bigger and halfpenny control <laughs> to overcome any points? Total? Yeah. Sorry, I, I, yeah, I, it's I not... know
1: Jared, Jared Payne is a, a, a epitome of solid in defence as well. I can't can't wait to see what uh, what Sonny Bill comes up with to try and beat him. And his outside man Moala, is an absolute animal. God, yeah. <laughs> it be ugly. It could be so ugly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like. I mean, it's like it's. It, I can't remember who it was. There was somebody on Twitter, um, and it was a Northern Hemisphere journalist that got right, saying. You know, stop accusing the All Blacks of being arrogant. They've got every right to be <laughs> arrogant. Look at their win. You know, when they, when they, you know, when people come and they say, you know, the fans say things like, "Oh, it's only Australia," and they don't really mind losing the odd game. That's because <laughs> they've got such a fantastic record against everyone that it doesn't really matter, and they've got every right to have barragging rights. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I've gone for a Lions-related one as well, which is the hacker, which I had a mini rant about. Um. At the weekend on Twitter, but it it's just the again it's it's just this thing of uh, this backlash against the hacker, and I don't get it. Um, it. It's sort of especially from you know it seems to be a hundred percent white middle aged men who seem upset about what seems to be quite a culturally significant um, thing to New Zealanders and certainly to to you know people of Maori heritage that that's, that's why they do it. It would be like, you know, somebody turning around and saying you shouldn't play bagpipes at Murrayfield because it's, it's a cliche. And, no you know, it, it, I, I think it misses the entire point of the hacker. It's supposed to be a war dance. It's not supposed to intimidate. It's it's an invitation to play. It's not... If you find it intimidating, then you're reading it wrong. Um, and it's not... I, I think a lot of writers seem to be suggesting some sort of, you know, tourist attraction. And I, I just think that comp- that's almost... It's a borderline. It's almost borderline racist, really. You know, um, it, it just wound me up. I think I, I've seen hackers perform, and I think they're they're magnificent things, and long may they continue. I'm really pleased that. I think every team on this tour is going to perform a hacker beforehand. It seems such so culturally significant out there. You know, you see them on YouTube. You look them up. They're performed at funerals um, there, and for you know Northern Hemisphere rugby writers to be going over there and mourning about it, it just seems wrong. And almost, you know, sort of smacks of an old colonial
1: attitude. That was exactly the phrase I was just about to utter, Cammy. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah. They're, they're better than us at our game, So why, why, why are they doing that silly dance thing? You know, it's just, just ridiculous. Um, like you, I, I totally agree. I, I remember as a young lad going along to a Scotland um, I think it was Scotland against the New Zealand Maori's actually um, years and years ago now and seeing the haka at Murrayfield the, the Maori's done a haka at Murrayfield and just being absolutely like enthralled by it, just so I, I mean I fell in love with New Zealand rugby at that exact point because I was just like this is incredible and for, I like you say white, old guys to be moaning about it just where's where's the fun where's the fun in rugby it's a challenge it's uh it's playing new zealand is the biggest challenge in world rugby and the hacker is part of that so they can just i'm, I'm not even going to let you, I'll allow you to have the bleep here cammy but they can go and get tea
2: <laughs> couldn't agree more guys i mean who doesn't remember going uh, watching the haka? I mean, it's such an especial occasion. I mean, do they moan about it when the Samoans do it? I mean, probably not because they beat the Samoans most times. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also, like, uh, it, it's just ridiculous. I bet if you ask the players, are they do they feel more intimidated by it? Look at the size of them. No, they don't. They don't care. They won't care about it at all. If, if anything, it probably gives them more impetus to go out and beat them.
0: I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, it should be in in a way you would think most players would consider it an honour to have, you know, the the hacker, you know, be on a pitch facing down a hacker. That's You've, that would be the way that I, if I ever had not that, I'm too I'm too old and past it now to have the opportunity to get called up to play the All Blacks. But um, you know, I, I think most players would see it view it as an honour to stand there and face it
1: down you've reached the top of world Um, rugby at that point you're you're playing against the best team in the world at that point you are a player who is competing with the best players at this possibly the best players our sport has ever had so yeah you're absolutely right it would it's an absolute honor for the guys and like you say they're all massive anyway they won't be looking at it with any sort of fear be excitement
0: Yeah, and like you said, Jack, it's not, you know, New Zealand don't have a monopoly on the hacker. You know, you've got Tonga, you've got Samoa, I saw Samoa perform at Newcastle before the World Cup game against Scotland. It's, you know, it's integral to their culture and who are we to question that? Okay, uh, well, that's it from us um, for this episode. We will be back next week uh, after, hopefully with um, positive coverage of Scotland versus Italy, but you never know. Um, So for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Jack.
2: Goodbye, guys. Thanks for listening.
0: And goodbye from John. Bye for now, guys. Okay, and we'll see you next week. Bye.